Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And as I was explaining to the people on the three-minute intro segment that we do here in KT, on KTTH in Seattle, uh, a lot to talk about. Not a lot's gone on this week. Also, I am flying blind here. Um, I got to go. I got to head out of town tomorrow morning. Little family stuff I got to attend to in the state of California. Nothing crazy. Um, but, uh, so I've got to do the show today. So we're flying a little blind. I think we've got plenty to talk about. Don't know how the week finishes out. Uh, but you guys do. So <laughs> there's that you already know, but anyway, we'll, 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 we'll fly a little blind here, but there's plenty to get into. Um, and, and we're going to address several, I think really hot topics. There's so much, um, I wouldn't say consternation. I, I love how <clears throat> you hear commentary just switch with price, right? Like, like again, Jim Cramer is my perfect example of this. You know, you put it on one day and it's like the whole world is ending. The very next day, you know, the NASDAQ pops up two and a half, three percent and, oh, we've bought them. Now you got to buy, right? Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm always fascinated by that because I, and, you know, you got to hand it to these people. They've, they've got good careers in finance. I just don't know how they operate that way. Meaning short-term market gyrations cannot impact your outlook one way or the other. And if they do, you're doing it wrong. Because the only thing you can really count on in markets is short-term gyrations, right? It's called volatility. It's not a bug. It's a feature. Um, but that's not going to stop the prognosticators from prognosticating and completely talk nonsense. Um, so anyway, we, I, I want to dig into what the prognosticators are saying, what reality on the ground looks like, and we're not going to be able to determine this for certain because as you guys know, nobody's got a crystal ball or, or what's the adage? I've got a crystal bat ball. It's just very cloudy, right? Um, but I've always found this fascinating. And, and when you hear this, people are like, oh, you're a market timer. Da, da. No, no, it's just, it's. Part of the enjoyment of this job is looking at it's it's like putting together a giant jigsaw puzzle. Um, the other reason why we do it, guys, is because these are crazy times we live in. And, you know, you see a market go on a record rally <laughs> amidst the greatest economic shock in history, i.e. COVID. Um, you know, you see the I, I mean, you just have to be prepared for everything. So if people want to accuse us of being market timers, that's fine. Um, but I just think it's a fascinating thing to look at. You know, I mean, this is, that's what, that's what I do for a living. So I'm endlessly fascinated by it, but, um, yeah, just trying to read through the tea leaves, figure out what's going on, because I do think these are historic times and, uh, we'll dig through that. I also want to make a visit to crypto land for a lot of the same reason, not really any necessary or, or necessarily prognostications about what's going on in crypto land, but just. Some really interesting observations. Um, yeah, it's just it just cracks me up. Uh, some of the so it just it. Look, there are a lot of people involved in crypto, and you guys have heard me talk about crypto, specifically Bitcoin. I think that there are some wonderful things about Bitcoin. I just always laugh at these people that talk with such high certainty about something like crypto that they have absolutely no clue about. Right. People are like, well, that's what you were saying when, you know, it was at a thousand and now Bitcoin's at 30,000. They, they didn't know. That's one of the things that I think people get confused about investing all the time with every single trade. There are two sides. So it's by definition, somebody's got to be right and somebody's got to be wrong. And I'm just telling you all too often in investing, we look a perfect example is Kathy Wood from 2000, from 20, from 20, uh, 2020 to early 2021, right? She's the biggest genius in the world. Everybody's hate, right? 
She was on the right side of the trade. It was the right course for the right horse, right? She sat on those tracks long enough for the right train to come along. Now, she gave it all back plus some, which is typically what happens. But all too often, we look at the outcome of a trade and then we assign ability. Now, after a while, right, a track record of successful trades or successful investments, now you can start ascribing some of that stuff, right? Some of those accolades and some of that belief that somebody is truly talented or that they've got a great process or something, right? Um, but I think in crypto... Yeah, I, I think it's been a lot of luck. I think it was the right type of asset for the right environment. Zero percent interest rate, stimulus, fundies, or you know, uh, tendies is the kid call the kids call them on Wall Street Bets that website. And I, somebody was asking me the other day, why do they call profits tendies? And I think it came from a, a scenario where a kid was, what did he do? He was like, if I get this trade right, and he sought out Wendy's or something like that and said. You know, well, I get chicken tenders for the rest of my life or something. So anyway, it was pretty funny. That Wall Street bets crowd was hilarious. Um, but let's let's get into the market update. So as far as the market goes, um, the big debate right now, and again, I'm doing this on Wednesday, so there really hasn't been a lot, a little bit of an extension of the rally. Well, let's see. Yesterday, no, was anyway, you're pretty much just bumping around flat so far, maybe a little down on the week. Still haven't come anywhere close to undoing the gains that the market made last week. But but the but the topic that everybody's wondering, right, is this a dead cat bounce? Is this a bear market rally? Uh, you know, or is this a bottoming and a finding a new footing? Um I am very much in the bear market rally camp, and, and let me give you the reasons why. Now, for those of you that listen, again, we're we we have uh we have intellectual integrity and intellectual honesty on this show. So the last time, full warning, the last time I was saying that I thought it was a bear market rally was at the beginning of one of the greatest runs in market history coming out of COVID. Um, I really underestimated the impact of the Fed dumping 6 to $7 trillion into the market. But that right there is one of the reasons that we are looking at this as a bear market rally. Okay, because I cannot tell you how many times over the last couple weeks I've heard people saying stuff. Well, that's what you were saying back when, you know, not necessarily me, but, were, you know, oh, that's this is when you got to buy is when things look bad and blah, blah, blah. Okay, first of all, let, let's, let's, let's deal with this one thing at a time. Do things look bad? As far as the stock market is concerned, no. Again, I, I don't mean to pick on Kramer, but I was reading something with Kramer the other day and he's like, you know, we've just had that. What do you say? Just this market with this nasty drawdown. You know, it's wicked market. And I'm sitting there going, uh, hey, guys, S&P is 15% essentially off its all-time high and trading at 22 times earnings. What is so bad about it? Trading in 22 times earnings with rising interest rates, inflation at 40-year highs, and the Fed stepping away from the pump. I look at this market and think, whew, this thing is crazy resilient. People are like, well, what do you, it's been so nice. Guys, you got to go back and look. Go look at the last two years on a chart. Okay, just do me a favor. Let's go to, let's go to ground zero here. Okay, let's go pull up a five-year chart and go back at the chart and look at where the NASDAQ was on January 1st, 2020. Okay. Before COVID, right? Actually, market was doing great. Just came off a 30% up year. I think NASDAQ was up 38, 39 that year. You know where we closed? Or you know where we were at January 1st, 2020? NASDAQ was at 91.50. Today, it's at 12,000. Okay, so we're still up. What is that? 30%? Now, remember, what created that blow-off top throughout COVID? I mean, I think it's pretty simple. A, when you're dealing specifically with the tech companies, and this is something that we were screaming from the rooftops as early as late 2020, of saying, guys, it's time to start taking profits on tech. You just had a manufactured environment that could not be better for technology. Everybody's locked down in their house. They can't go anywhere. 
you got to, we were almost like basically held ransom by these technology companies, right? We had, you know, people were getting stimulus money and PPE loans and they were getting their, you know, their unemployment, unenjoyment is, as my grandfather, my father referred to it as, oh, this cracked me up, unenjoyment. Um, and right, nobody, you couldn't go anywhere. So where did that, I mean, went through and we went right into tech. So we were just saying, hey, we're not trying to sit there and say there's a collapse coming. But there's no way going forward over the next, you know, five, six, seven, eight quarters that tech's going to match those types of, 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 you know, the growth rates, the profitability. There's just no way. And what are we seeing? That that's very much the case. And again, people are like, well, that was a good call. Was it? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't really see it as a good call. I kind of put it in the same category as get out of bonds when interest rates are zero. Right, a good call would have been telling me to buy Tesla at three hundred bucks when I thought it was really over, you know, already really overpriced. Right, a good call would have been levering up your portfolio and going short tech going into this year. We didn't do that. I just think that there's so much common sense. Well, there's so little common sense out there today, but I think that common sense when it comes into investing, I I, I think there's far too little of it, and not only that, but it, there's way too small of a premium put on common sense. Why did we think it might be a good time to get out of tech? Well, first of all, it had it had a 40% weight in the S&P, which is the biggest weighting of any single sector ever. So that's a pretty good indication things are overdone. Second of all, NASDAQ was trading at valuations we hadn't seen since the 99 bubble. That's a pretty good indication. Um, on several different metrics, the overall market, mostly driven by tech, was the most expensive it had ever been. And you're coming out of one of the greatest wealth transfers slash wealth giveaways in the history of mankind, right? With everybody locked down, meaning that the vast majority of that money has to be directed at the same asset class that's happened to be the greatest recipient of cash over the last 20 years in terms of investing, right? It's done not 20 years. Well, yeah, probably 20 years now, but over this entire cycle, right? Tech has been the place to be. So it's just pretty easy to sit back and go, okay, well, this is as good as it gets. I'm not saying it's going to crash, but you know, you've, if nothing else, you've got really tough comps. And does that make me want, you know, a company that was growing at 60% in COVID, if, if their growth rate slashes to 35, does that mean they're a dog and I want to unload them? No, but it probably means that they're, they're trading at a valuation that is not representative of the actual growth rate, right? And that's the biggest thing that we were concerned about. So, but if you go look at that chart, like I was saying, if, you know, I, then I also take it a step further and I go, okay, looking at the end of 20 or, or at the end of uh, 2019, beginning of 2020, when the NASDAQ was trading 30% below where it currently is, was the economy in a better place? Was it healthier then? That's a little bit of a mixed bag because you can make the argument as it relates to debt and, and uh, household net worth that the economy is in a better place as it relates to the consumer. But pretty much any other economic metric you want to look at outside of wages, wages have gone up too. Those are two big deals. But, you know, look at the inflation rate, rising interest rates, the Fed stepping aside. And then I think we all know, guys, I mean, there's deep scarring from COVID, right? There's going to be things that we're dealing as legacy issues from COVID and that certain sectors are dealing with for years to come. So overall, I think it's really, you know, what did you have? 2.6% growth, I want to say, economic growth, maybe a little higher in 2019. Maybe it was like 2.8. You had inflation basically below two. It, you can't really make the argument that the economy is in a better place now. But my whole point is saying all of the things that drove that blow off in COVID, those factors are all on the sidelines now. We're getting the opposite of Fed stimulus. We're getting contraction. We're getting them to, they're going to start rolling off the balance sheet this month, right? Which means they're going to start selling some of the assets they've bought with printed money. Okay. So that means money is getting taken out of the market and assets are getting put, put back in. In and of itself, that's not constructive for asset price appreciation. Right? We, we, when the Fed is purchasing assets, they're taking assets out of the market and replacing them with cash, essentially especially when they were buying corporates. It wasn't true with all the quantitative easing stuff, but when they were buying corporates, that's effectively what they were doing, right? So that is supportive to asset prices. 
right? You're taking assets off the market, increasing cash. That should drive up the price of assets. And it did. But you look at what they're doing now. They've thrown it completely in reverse. Um, now, you've got certain things like the housing sector that is hotter. But that is certainly running into serious headwinds. My whole point is when you look at the chart and you think about what's happened over the last two years, I actually think if the NASDAQ got back down to the 9,000 range, um, I actually think that would be healthy. It wouldn't be fun for people that were holding big baskets of tech stocks, but it also wouldn't be a disaster, right? That'd be like a 40, 45% pullback. And you'd just be right back to where you, where you were at the end of 2019. That's not catastrophic. Now, the concern is, is that's not, what typically, that's not typically what markets do, right? Just like they overshoot to the upside, they overshoot to the downside. They overcorrect. And that's why we've kind of said, I think, 7,500 to 8,000 on the NASDAQ is a sincere possibility and potentially even worse than that. But is this, is this a bear market rally? And, and, you know, looking at those other factors, that's what leads me to believe it was. If the Fed is involved or if the Fed reverses course all of a sudden, then you got to take a step back. That doesn't mean the market's just going to rocket to the upside. But you have to take a step back at that point. I'm just saying all of the things that drove us here have now gone into reverse. And if you think you can throw all those things into reverse and still get the same market behavior, uh, you're sorely mistaken. It just doesn't work that way. So, yeah, I just I I very much believe that this is just a bear market bounce. Now, here's the catch. What does that mean? How do we know? Well, interestingly enough, I think there's some really good historic examples and we're going to get to that. Right after this break, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to get right into that. As always, guys, what do we talk about here all the time? Risk management. One of the reasons we're talking about whether there's a bear market, this is a bear market rally or new all time. high. One of the reasons you're probably listening to this podcast right now is that you recognize that we're living in extraordinarily abnormal times. And I very much believe times that have extraordinarily elevated financial risk, especially for those in retirement or closing or getting close to retirement. Um, I was speaking to a prospective new employee today, and he was asking me a bunch of investment questions and telling me how he did it at his last firm. And he was describing the portfolio to me. And I was like, yeah, that's been a rough ride in that portfolio. And he goes, yeah. You know, he's and, and kind of roundabout asked me, you know, why didn't you guys, you know, follow suit? A lot of people have struggled, you know, like, why didn't you follow suit? And I said, because I, I think that building a portfolio right now, when you go into Edward Jones or Morgan Stanley or fill in the blank, again, nothing against those firms, and they sit you down with a portfolio and they tell you, okay, this is the kind of portfolio. We've done all this financial planning for you. You need a portfolio that can average 8 to 9% a year. So this is the portfolio that's going to get it done. Okay, here's the issue I've got. That guesstimate on performance, right? That growth estimate of theirs comes via historic performance. So looking at performance over the past, you know, 80, 100 years and saying, okay, here's what this portfolio averaged. Here's the issue I've got with building a portfolio like that in this environment. What today, financially speaking, is like, you know, what, what conditions are similar today that have existed and, and coexisted in the last hundred years. First of all, not much, right? You've got a, tons of one-offs. Look at our debt to GDP. Look at the Fed's balance sheet. Look at 0% interest rates for 13 years, 14, almost 15 years. That's never happened. Look at the fact that the, we're at 150% debt to GDP. That's never happened. Record peak earnings on the S&P last year. You have all of these things. Literally, the economy on both ends of it is operating on the tails, meaning we just saw the fastest crash in history, 36% drawdown in five weeks, saw the biggest rally in it. Everything has been in a historic extreme. So to take that and plug that in and and assume that over the next 10 to 15 years, you're going to get the average rate of return that you received over the last 100 years, I don't buy it. Why? Because I'm a big believer that inputs equal outputs. If the inputs into the market and the overall economy are so much vastly dissimilar to what they were in the past, I think it's sort of Pollyannish for us to sit back and think that we're still going to get the same average rate of returns. And we're already seeing that. You're seeing signs of it, right? Uh, I'm not sure what the rate is right now, but 
just in the last week and a half, the 60-40 portfolio was down more than the S&P 500 year-to-date. That's, that's abnormal, right? Look at inflation. You've got an inflation at 8% plus, 8.3, and the Fed funds rate at 75 basis points. That's an aberration. Last time inflation was this high, the Fed funds rate, the rate, you know, our base rate of interest that the Federal Reserve sets. Last time we were at 8% plus inflation, the Fed funds rate was at 13. Right? So this, guys, if you want to know why we focus on risk management, it's because of markets like this. It's because... Nobody has ever seen the chess pieces aligned this way. And so for us to make prognostications based on historical performance, it's foolish. It could end up being right, but it's going to be dumb luck. Right? What is the only thing you can do in this environment? You manage risk. And it works. Shoot. Today, the market was down 0.72%. Value portfolio was up 0.2. And overall, I think our portfolios were up 0.15. Green on the year. Now, if you're one of our clients and you've got a certain allocation and you're down 1% or down half percent, bottom line is our average client's bumping right around slightly positive to right around even, right? Managing risk works. And, and when you're in uncertain times like this, with all these one-offs, if you want to just sit there and bet that history is going to play out again and you're going to get average rate of returns, I wish you all the best. And quite honestly, selfishly, I hope that happens. Why? Because if markets just keep drifting up, we're going to make money too. Difference with our approach is if the proverbial stuff hits the fan, you're going to be fine too, right? Via risk management, right? Using the bond replacement strategies, using the defense that's layered into our portfolios. I've said it a hundred times, guys. There's just a better way to do this, especially for those of you. If you're 40, you know, do I think we can get you better results? Yeah, but it's not as meaningful because nothing's really going to impact your retirement more than the amount of money you put into it. Could we get you better performance? Probably. I'd like to think so. But, you know, I tell, our, I, I tell friends that all the time. They're like, hey, Zach, I'll move this to you. And I'm like, yeah, or you can do it yourself. They're like, don't you want the account? I was like, well, sure, I do. But I, I look, I'm going to be honest with you. Right? The biggest differentiator between where that account ends up is how much you put into it. Right? But once we go into retirement, the game changes. We're not putting any more into it. We're pulling it out. So every little drop hurts. Don't just sit there exposed. Take the warning sign that you've gotten the, the, the first five months of this year. Which, again, looking at all the economic indicators, guys, I I think it's just the beginning. I think we go sharply lower from here. If that concerns you, if you want a different approach, if you don't want to hear, just stick with it the next time your account's down 50%, give us a call. 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com. We're not asking you to believe us. We'll show you the performance. We'll show you how we build the portfolios. We'll put it right there in front of it. You're going to be the ultimate arbiter. Right? You're going to be the ultimate judge. If you like it, great, you'll become a client. If not, no big deal. But I, I think if we're all looking at this world correctly, I don't think it's a big leap to say that we probably need some time. <laughs> it's probably not a bad idea to have an umbrella with us, right? A lot of storm clouds on the horizon. And for the people talking about this as worse as it can get, I don't know. Is it? We'll talk about that when we come back. Stick with us through the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free 
free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. All right, let's dig right into this. So we're looking at this, trying to figure out if this is a bear market rally or not. And so I'm digging through the charts, going back through it, looking at historic comps. You know, and history doesn't always repeat itself, but it often rhymes. It helps to know the way sequences have played out in the past. And so me and one of my analysts were digging through charts, going through stuff. Was it, uh, I think it was late last week, actually, Thursday or Friday last week. And I wanted to focus in on 99 and 2000, especially as it related to tech. And here are a couple reasons why. Um, I think that there are more similarities between now and then than most people want to realize. First of all, is the composition of the NASDAQ the same? No. They, by and large, especially the bigger companies in the NASDAQ, they're mature now. They're big, right? So I don't, I don't think that there's nearly as much risk per se or as much froth in the NASDAQ as there was back then. Um, that being said, they're really the only two periods of times you can comp in terms of valuation, right? Um, valuations got virtually just as extreme in the NASDAQ, in some cases more than they were in 99. But to me, it's the interesting thing because you didn't have COVID. But in the late 90s, you had something called long-term capital management. It was a giant hedge fund. That, that's a long story in and of itself. I should probably have Marcos to come on and discuss that someday. Fascinating story. But um, it, you want to talk about a levered-up portfolio. Long-term capital management was running probably the most levered-up portfolio of all time. And... W- there was the Asian currency crisis and then there was a currency issue in Russia. Anyway, it just tipped their portfolio upside down. Basically their portfolio had gotten so large that it threatened to drag down the entire global financial system. So the fed had to address that. They locked down the fund. They ended up unwinding it over a extensive period of time. I want to say it was about two years. And, um, and in, in an effort to offset the damage or the instability that that fund was causing markets, the Fed got really loose, right? They lowered interest rates. I believe they juiced repo markets. They, they, they did several things to increase liquidity. And that really gave power to that 99 move in the NASDAQ where the NASDAQ was up slightly over 100% in a single year. It sort of reminds you of the NASDAQ's response coming out of COVID, right? Extraordinary Fed activity, all that kind of stuff. Then comes March of the next year. Y2K passes. The other reason why the Fed was really extending the easy money was people were all afraid of Y2K and the potential problems that could cause. Well, we get through Y2K, no problem. Fed starts hiking rates in March. And I believe the all-time top up until that point occurred within a week or something of that first Fed rate hike. And then right out of the gate, the NASDAQ dropped about 34%, right, over the next month or two. It was about the next two months. Okay, so this is back still in 2000. And then we get into summer. And summer is always interesting when you have bad things going back. If you guys can remember, think about the summer leading up to the financial crisis in 2008. Markets were fairly serene, and the reason I know that is I was short, and it was a mar- it was a summer of torture. Markets didn't really rally against you. I think they rallied a little bit, ended up hitting me toward toward August. But you're sitting there going, "Why are markets rallying?" But summers summers a tricky period of time. There just aren't a lot of bad things that have ever happened in summer. And somebody was asking me to explain that the other day, and I go, "Look." We could throw a lot of different fancy explanations at it and get really complex. I think it sort of comes down to as simple as everybody takes off for vacation and agrees to have a, a you know, a ceasefire for a couple months. Um, you know, that's not a very technical answer. But anyway, my whole point is, is the NASDAQ, right? It had that blow off 1999 induced by extra easy Fed policy that was extended by extra easy Fed policy because of the threat of Y2K. 
Fed hikes for the first time in March. That starts the first leg down. You drop 33% and 34% in a relatively very short period of time. And then you add a big rally. And this rally that occurred in 99 probably hurt more people and cost more people more money than even the first drawdown, right? Because it was a quote-unquote buying opportunity. Does that sound familiar? And the timing of it was similar, right? It was it, All these things happened. It's, it, you know, it looks, when you look at the NASDAQ so far this year, it looks eerily similar to 2000. And then you had that false dawn. The NASDAQ rallied about 30% off that bottom. Okay, so it was still short of its previous all-time high. Significantly short, because remember, if you're down 30, you got to make 43% to get back to even. So you were still about 15% short of that previous all-time high. But it rallied 30%, a bear market rally that went up 30%. And you can imagine how many people that sucked in. I guarantee you there are people listening to the show today that, was, that are like, yep, I got sucked in. I thought it was a buying opportunity. Had to get in there and buy those things cheap, right? And then you doubled, then you got hit again, and then you went back up again to that previous, you know, to, to, the, to the up 30% level, and then you just fell off the side of the face, the face of the earth in, in fall. Right. Once summer was over, that's when the real carnage started again. Um, it's eerily similar. It doesn't mean it's going to play out the same, but it's eerily similar, especially the circumstances surrounding it. The huge rally in 99, you know, think of that's the huge rally from the COVID bottom in 2020 to about the middle of 2022 for the FANG stocks and the NASDAQ, you know, individually you could say that that extended through the end of 2021 not 2022 we're in 2022 now but the setup is very similar now when we sit there and look at that same type of deal for the nasdaq using history as a guide i think that you could see the nasdaq rally as high as 13,500 even as high as 14,000 and still be a bear market rally still be a false dawn am i saying that's going to happen no i actually doubt that'll happen and why do i doubt that'll happen because the biggest reason that i doubt that'll happen guys is because of the fed the fed isn't just gently raising rates right they are obviously concerned they have finally admitted out loud that that whole transitory argument was nonsense we've been telling you that for a year and a half um, and so this isn't just your garden variety rate hikes. These are intentional rate hikes, right? This is an effort to get inflation under control. I think they have massive political pressure to get inflation under control. Um, and they've got real economic pressure to get inflation under control. I mean, you let inflation keep rolling anywhere around this neighborhood and it's going to create the economic collapse in and of itself. Right, if consumer prices keep accelerating at this rate, it won't matter how fast wages are rising. They can't rise at 10% a year. So, you know, you're really up against it here. Um, the other thing I'll point to, the dollar had another surge today. You're at 102.50, 102.60, I want to say the last number I saw was. Again, the economic backdrop is just really bad. Crude is still running. Oil back up to 115. Europe just banned did the did the ban on Russian oil, which is going to tighten supply even more? Somebody asked me, Zach, why are they doing this? Are they trying to cut off their nose to spite their face? And I went, look, I don't know why they're doing it. I think they're doing it for the same reason they shut down nuke plants and took down their nat gas storage facilities. Bad things happen when you start operating on ideology as opposed to reality, right? And so I, I that's what I chalk it up to. But like I said, we you know. Bear market rally, whatever the case may be, and wherever you line up on, you know, I would I be surprised to see the NASDAQ go to 13,500? I would a little bit just because, again, the economic backdrop is so bad. I mean, literally every indicator you're looking at is telling you to sell stocks. And, and, and not panic sell, but even, the, like I said, even valuations. This market isn't cheap. As a matter of fact, when you look at the trajectory of interest rates and inflation, I'll tell you this market is really expensive still. And like we were making a big point to talk about last week, guys, earnings are dropping. 
right? People are like, well, Salesforce beat. Yeah, but they lowered guidance. And did you notice, and if you go read about what one of the biggest reasons they lowered guidance, first of all, I thought that it was a very Pollyannish outlook by, by Benioff and Salesforce. I think they were being horrifically over-optimistic. Um, but it was interesting that they cited currency difficulties as being the number one thing. Remember when I was telling you guys, when the U.S. dollar rallies this much, it's going to take a bite out of the average American company. Because people overseas, that it's, you just raised your prices. for all, Like on people like Japan, in J- for the Japanese, we just raised our prices effectively 30%. It's not going to eliminate them purchasing stuff from us, but it's going to hinder it. It's certainly going to leave a mark. So... You know, I, I just don't, I still, I don't like the setup, but like I said, do I think it's out of, do, is it outside the realm of possibility to see this thing run 13,500? No, it's not. And it wouldn't surprise me because everything about this market has been extreme. And quite honestly, if we think that the maximum on that is a run back up to 14,000, it probably means it could go to 14,500 and still end up finishing at a new low for the year. Um, but all these people talking about, oh, it's a great time to buy stocks. If you're looking as a trader, especially now going into the summer, I will tell you we're still defensively positioned, but we have really lightened up on our shorts. Um, we really started lightening them up on them about two weeks ago, our hedges. Uh, just because of this seasonality, just because we had basically gone straight down with no reprieve up into this point, and then also just knowing that volatility is typically lower in summer months. And then, you know, things can happen. But, you know, if you're a trader, it might not be a bad idea to try this. You know, and for instance, I think an easy way you go about doing it is to say, okay, as long as we stay above 12,000, I'm going to put my heels on 12,000 on the NASDAQ and I'm going to stay long. If we close three consecutive days below 12,000, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to close out those long positions. Um, I'm not advising you do that. We're not taking that approach, but that, that would not be irrational to me. Again, taking into consideration the seasonality of summer, how we've essentially gone straight down. We got to take a quick break. We're up against time. Anyway, if you don't have a risk management strategy, give us a call. 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. If you don't want to call us, you can always email in. We can do email correspondence. But there's a better way, guys. Take the the three minutes it takes to call us and educate yourselves. Educate yourselves on how we're lowering fees, improving performance, improving upside, and drastically lowering risk. It's going to be worth your time. Anyway, we'll be right back. Stick with us through the break. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Do better in bull markets. Do better in bear markets. Pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, The Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? Without a doubt, Dory, it's inflation, and it's here. With all this money printing and with still 0% interest rates, inflation will very likely rise, and when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been telling people for six years, if you're using bonds in the old-school 60-40 mix as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. Well, what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy we teach you exactly how to do it in our free booklet common sense investing learn how to protect your portfolio against loss but still seek to grow your assets call zach now for your free copy of common sense investing 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement bulwark capital management is an investment advisor representative of trek financial llc and sec registered investment advisor You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for being with us and sticking with us. Here's the other thing that I I think is interesting, um, and there's a lot more going into this than I'm I'm saying here. But the VIX, um, in my opinion, the VIX is very much in a battle posture. 
What do I mean by that? When I say the VIX, guys, I'm talking about the volatility index. And the volatility index is, it's a very complex, like I've said on this show before, and I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think of the easiest, shortest way to explain it. The volatility index is basically measuring what type of volatility market participants are expecting via the pricing of options. Okay, so when, for instance, when volatility is really low, when we short, when we, when we were going short Boeing back in 2019, one of the things that made that trade so attractive was the volatility, the implied volatility on their options were so low, which means we were buying puts with like a 380 strike price on them. So the stock was at 440 and we were saying, okay, this put is like a bet that Boeing's going to fall to 380. And if you think about it, that's not a big percentage move. What is that? That's like a 10, like a 12% drop. But Boeing was bulletproof at that time. And you could get put contracts at like 370, 380 for dirt cheap because nobody thought Boeing was going to fall. So the implied volatility of their options was extremely low. Consequently, at that time, the VIX, the volatility index was really low. I think it was right around 14 its historical average is 20. Okay? Well, when you get in terms when you get into these periods of times of danger, the VIX sort of sets a new bracket. And that range in normal times, that range is like 15 on the low side, 30 to the high side for the VIX. When you get in times of turmoil or when you see the VIX in my word taking a battle posture, that bracket changes. 25 typically becomes your low water mark. You can get down to 24, high 23s. Okay, that's typically where you stop. And then your high water mark is at 40. That's that's another thing to me that is kind of... Now, again, this is me reading the tea leaves a little bit. But the thing that's interesting to me about that is that despite this big drop in the NASDAQ, we still haven't seen the VIX hit 40. It still hasn't gone full panic mode yet. And I think, as a matter of fact, I think it's topped out at 34. Now, that's a healthy VIX, but that's not crazy. I mean, you don't usually see a VIX get to 33, 34 unless there's some duress in the system. But I'm just saying that's that's one of the ominous things about this this year. It has been a kind of a violent sell-off, but it's been orderly. There have been none of these chaotic gap downs for the most part. There have been a couple gaps here and there. But it's just it's acted like a bear market. It's just been pretty steady, just moving down on a relative basis. You get a snapback week like last week. This is all prototypical bear market behavior. And so I, and even the VIX, like I said, is taking that battle posture. I, I just very much think that this is a fan environment where, uh, you know, I would encourage you to turn off the prognosticators, focus on fundamentals and valuations. They're really the only thing that matter when you get into periods of times like this. The other thing is think longer term guys. Don't try to get in there and play these moves. We, me and Marcos joke around that when you get into markets like this, it's a chop shop. And what do we mean by that? The, the average trader that gets in and tries to trade these moves, the minute he swings long is going to be the time he should be going short. The minute he goes short will be the time he's going long. And he's not even he's not taking big hits, but he's getting hit small because he keeps turning the wrong direction at the wrong time. That's when you're getting chopped up. And the best thing to do when you're getting chopped up is sit on your hands. Back away, Right. Um, you know, I, for those of you that are managing your money at home, I mean, I think that's the posture you should take. I think you should be defensive. Um, if you want to take shots to the upside, mind your levels, meaning, you know, like I was saying, you could put your heels on 12,000 on the NASDAQ and go from there. But, you know, like I was telling that new prospect for wants to be an advisor for us. And I just said, listen, the reason we do it the way we do it, we don't even do it with mutual funds. We're using all individual stocks. And he goes, why isn't that more risky? And I go, no. This is an environment where I want to know every single thing we own. I want to know who manages it. I want to know what's on their balance sheet. I want to know what their margins are. I want to know exactly what I own in this marketplace. This to me is not a market where we take gambles or flyers on stocks that our buddy at work told us about. As a matter of fact, that's exactly how you get run over in this environment. So the only thing we can do is manage risk, which is why we do that. I make a promise to all of our clients. Are we going to beat the S&P every year? No, nobody does. But what does that mean? It means that there'll be years where we make less than we otherwise could. 
But here's the conversation we're never going to have. We're never having a conversation about why you're financially ruined or half your money's gone. Why? We're going to build a portfolio where that, that can't happen. People are like, you can't promise that. Yes, I can. Like I've said on the radio shows tons of times, it's relatively easy to build a portfolio that limits loss. The difficult part is to get that portfolio to make money. And that's what we spend all our time trying to do. But it's because we approach it from that direction. Risk management first, profits later. If we don't get the return of our money, the return on our money doesn't matter, right? So we first got to make sure that the money's there. And that approach is why we perform so well. And again, we're not saying we're going to outperform every year. Anybody that tells you that, run the other way. But we're also not going to get client phone calls when they're down 40% asking us, guess what, you know, what do we do now? And our answer is, we'll just write it out. You're, you're, you're in retirement, guys. You don't have time to write it out. Or you're two years away from it. You don't have time to write it out. Write it out means you're going to live a retirement that's about half of what you were hoping for. Don't do that. Don't call us. Or I mean, you can. You can. But I just want you to understand the ethos of what I'm saying here. Don't call us or somebody else that actively manages and has a good track record for managing risk after you've taken a 40% hit. And a lot of you, I don't think, are being really intellectually honest with yourselves. I know a lot of you are down 35 40% right now, especially if you've been running your own straight-up stock portfolio. Okay, don't sit there frozen like a deer in headlights waiting for it to turn. That's not a plan, right? That's being frozen with fear. It's, it's like me and the boys, were, me and my sons were watching a D-Day and, it, you know, th- this really bothers me. I forgot to say Happy Memorial Day last week to our veterans. Uh, hearts and prayers go out to you guys. Thank you so much. We realize freedom isn't free, and I cannot thank you enough for the service. Uh, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. But along those lines, I was watching a D-Day uh, documentary with my boys over the weekend. And they were showing them on the beaches of Normandy, and they were talking about how the seasoned soldiers got off the beach. The rookie newbie soldiers were trying to dig into the sand, right? And by digging into the sand, they exposed themselves to the German 88s that just ripped them apart. Investing is the same way. You got to move, right? When you're under fire, you got to move, right? Just keep, you got to move. You got to change. You got to do something. Don't just stand there and wait for the 88s to come in there and rip your unit apart. Get off the bloody beach. And I've been telling you for years now, the portfolio allocation you're in, it's going to get you ripped. The 88s are aimed right at you. Rates going up, tech getting crunched, bonds getting smashed. Guys, like I said, do not, do, don't be the classic person out there that makes a change at the realization of pain. Anticipate the pain. Use today as an example. Then there's so many of you out there that are like, well, Zach, I'm going to just wait till it bounces back and then I'm going to call you. Don't. If it bounces back, you'll go up in our portfolios too. You'll probably bounce even more because you don't have the bonds weighing you down. What, what you're doing is you're basically saying, well, Zach, I'm going to wait till I see a couple 88s hit the unit next to me. And then when I see human limbs flying everywhere, that's when I'm going to try to get off the beach. How much sense, how much sense does that make? This is your life. This is your retirement. This is literally what you've been getting up every single morning for, for pretty much the majority of your life. Don't blow it up right now. If you're listening to this radio show and you do on a regular basis, you have to know that there are big structural things wrong with this economy. Why are you sitting there and not making the change in your own portfolio? It's going to get you wrecked, guys. And like I said, it's not just us. I give out tips. I even give out stock tips sometimes, even though I shouldn't do that. But the reason I, I, I we legitimately want to help people. I'm not sitting there. You got to go through me. But there's other firms out there that do what we do. Now, I'm biased. I think we do it the best. But bottom line, do anything, right? Just get off the bloody beach. The, 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 the tech laden down mutual. Oh, Zach, I'm not laden down. I'm well diversified. Really? Have you gone through each of your mutual funds? Because I can guarantee if you pop the hood on those suckers, they're all going to look identical. Right? If you're in the typical mutual fund 64, you are on the beach. You're waiting for the 88s to come in. Don't do that. 
get off the beach. Give us a call, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. A crashing market doesn't have to mean a crashing retirement. But you got to take action before the shells start falling. And they've already sort of started. But you're only, contrary to what Jim Cramer says, you're only 15% off the all-time high on the S&Ps, guys. You still hit 22 times earnings and earnings are dropping. Right? You can't afford to gamble here. So give us a call, 866-779-RISK, and 866-779-RISK. We were going to do an interview this week, but I had to go out of town. Last minute came up. We had to reschedule for Grant Williams. We're going to have him on in the next two weeks. But anyway, we got to run, have a great weekend, and mind those levels, mind those gaps, shut off the prognostications, and just study your fundamentals and know what you own. And don't just take faith in the mutual funds. You need to know what's in them. You got to know what your exposure is. Meanwhile, you need to manage risk. Give us a call. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management. Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? Without a doubt, Dory, it's inflation, and it's here. With all this money printing and with still 0% interest rates, inflation will very likely rise, and when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been telling people for six years, if you're using bonds in the old-school 60-40 mix as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. Well, what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy we teach you exactly how to do it in our free booklet common sense investing learn how to protect your portfolio against loss but still seek to grow your assets call zach now for your free copy of common sense investing 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement bulwark capital management is an investment advisor representative of trek financial llc and sec registered investment advisor